Get 50% off the safe empowerment system for anxiety over at quietbegins.com. Use the coupon code BRAIN50, that's BRAIN50, during checkout. Tackle your anxiety today at quietbegins.com. Life presents the toughest challenges. Every day you are faced with decisions that test your ability to express who you really want to be in this world. We're told to keep saying affirmations and keep thinking positively, but what do you do when that stuff doesn't work? Welcome to the Overwhelmed Brain, where you'll learn to make decisions that are right for you so that you can create the life you want now. What is this? If you're a regular listener, you're probably wondering why I'm not introducing myself. I'm just taking a moment. I think it's good to take a moment and um, just be. Just be present. I'm only doing this because I think it's time to just take a moment. Just be. Sometimes we need to do that. Just take a moment. Just be very present in yourself. Be aware of you. Notice you, who you are, what you are, where you are. Take a moment to breathe. Welcome to the show. We are here. My name is Paul Coliani, and I'm going to help you increase your emotional intelligence so that you can avoid dysfunction, handle toxic situations with grace and ease, and show up as your authentic self. Everything I talk about on the show is my personal opinion, 
and is meant for information on educational purposes only. Always consult a medical or psychological professional before making any changes that could affect your physical or mental health. I wanted to start off that way. I think it's a good time to do that. Whatever time that is for you, it's always a good time to just connect, be present, be aware of yourself, just be in the moment. It was inspired by an email that I got um, just recently from someone who said, I wanted to send you a thank you email. I stumbled upon the Overwhelmed Brain podcast randomly a couple months ago and only listened to a couple, but then my life got overwhelming and I stopped listening. Uh, I have recently had a falling out with my two best friends who I've had for 15 years. The ending of this friendship has motivated me to self-love. I have invested in a life coach who suggested during this time of quarantine, uh, we should spend time doing things off screen, like listening to a podcast and looking out a window. So when I went to my podcast app, there you were. All of your recent episodes have allowed me to self-reflect to the point of true happiness that I can't even put into words. I've made it a ritual to wake up every morning and listen to your podcast to start off my day. And then right after that, I journal about what I took away from it. I've been doing this for the last couple of weeks, and since then, it has really helped me feel better in this hard time of accepting my friendships have ended. But for the better good. So thank you for being some of the light at the end of my tunnel. You have been helping lift the million pounds of weight I've been carrying on my shoulders about not only myself, but the loved ones I surround myself with. I wouldn't be where I am in this current moment without you. You've spoken about donating to your work. How do I go about doing this? I appreciate you. And then she signed it. And I didn't ask her permission to read that. So I'm not going to read her name. And I just want to say thank you so much for writing that. I mean, that makes, that warms my heart. In fact, when I read this, uh, I got choked up. I read this a few days ago. I got choked up a little bit because there's many reasons that I did. But for someone to go through such difficult times and to have a place to turn and to be able to turn it around and turn it into a positive thing and really get back on track and in fact maybe even be better than they were at least feel better in a way because they see the lessons that have come through they are noticing what they need to work on in themselves and this is one of those things that I look at when you fall hard When a challenge comes and you fall, can you lift yourself up? Can you get back up? Can you push yourself off the ground and just get right back on track and do what you need to do for you? I think that's one of the most important lessons in life is to have the ability to get back up after you fall. And I look at it this way. There's all kinds of challenges that come to you in life. And many, many are difficult, hard to get through, hard to even imagine that they're going to happen to you. And then they happen. And how we define how we feel for the rest of our life really depends on how we recover from these challenges. Some of them are very traumatic. Some of them happened when we were children and we are still dealing with them. And we carry around some old PTSD and what do we do with those emotional triggers? You know, they're, they get activated by certain people and certain events. 
and then we have to deal with them. How do we deal with them? How do we get back up? This is why self-care is so important. And if you spend a lot of time distracting yourself outside yourself, all these external stimuli that we have, the internet, movies, other people, all of this takes you away from you. Sometimes that's great. I mean, I'll be the first one to admit that when I've felt like crap in my life, sometimes those distractions were exactly what I needed. And sometimes those distractions are toxic. If it's a person that's being toxic or awful toward you, why would you want that as your distraction? Why would you want to keep those types of distractions in your life? You know, if you watch a lot of TV all the time, but it's making you feel good, I'm not going to tell you to stop watching TV. But I am going to say, be careful what you put into your system. And I know this is personal growth 101. This is how to motivate yourself, how to heal, how to get into a better space. And I usually get more practical, but uh, just for now, I'm going to be a little bit abstract, a little bit bigger picture, zoom out a little bit, and remind you that there are elements in your life that when you keep them in your life, they can make you feel a certain way that maybe you don't like. And I like to look at all these elements as different components of a bigger machine. And I am only as healthy and only as happy as my unhealthiest, unhappiest component. It's kind of an interesting way to look at things, I think. But if you look at every component of your life, my job, where I live, the people I love, the person I live with, uh, or the people I live with, uh, my car, the weather, all of these things are components of our lives. And all of them have a value in some way. They have some sort of meaning. Some have more, some have less. And the more you surround yourself with meaningful components, the ones that make you healthier, the ones that make you happier, the more you surround yourself with those things, the more you're going to feel it inside. So if you're in a horrible marriage, living in the middle of a city that you can't stand, working at a terrible job, guess how you're going to feel most of the time? You don't even have to guess. That's not even a question. You know what you're going to feel. That's why I like to look at my life and ask myself, what are the components that I can change that will help me feel better? Because you might say, well, there are components that I would like to change, but I can't. Well, what can you change? Like I'm looking at my desk right now and I have a couple old cell phones sitting on it, uh, a couple old Wi-Fi antennas, if you know what those are, sitting on it and a lot of audio equipment and a box of tissues. And I could name all kinds of stuff that are sitting on my desk right now. And I'm thinking, why haven't I cleaned this up? <laughs> why haven't I looked at my desk and said, this mess needs to go? Because every time I sit at my desk and this clutter is looking at me in my face, I feel cluttered. And when I look at something that's cluttered, I take that in. I don't necessarily walk around thinking I'm a cluttered person, but my environment is cluttered and I need to do something about it. So my desk is probably more cluttered than I like. 
So I need to change that. My office, you know, I work from home. I record this from home and I have my own private office and I very much enjoy it. I've decorated my office. It's not even the right word. I've, um, I've added to my office things that make me feel good. A chair in the corner that when I look at it looks comfortable and looks nice in the room. A lamp that looks nice and is unique. A plate that has a sun carved into it. I got for $5 at a thrift store. I saw it and I had to have it. (laughs) It is my personality. It fits me. These are the components of my life that I surround myself with and want to be a part of and want to be in. When I walk into my office, I see these things. I see my guitar sitting in a stand on the floor. It makes me feel good. I see the color of my wall. It makes me feel good. So it's my own private little zen area. But the desk, (laughs) the desk needs to be cleaned up. It needs to be organized. And sometimes we sit with things for so long and we don't think about them because, well, that's how it's always been. And I've been getting along just fine up to now. But what can we change? What can you change in your life? If you can't change the major stuff, what can you do with the minor stuff? It's like um, maybe like 10 years ago. I had a box of photos and I know there are people listening right now going, oh yeah, I got a box of photos. Well, I had about 600 in this uh, container and I started going through them. And every time you start going through photos, you might as well get comfortable (laughs) because this is what happens. You start going through photos and there's some nostalgia, but there's also some other feelings that come up. Hey, there's an old girlfriend. How do I feel about that? Oh, there's my stepfather. He was abusive. How do I feel about that? This is this person. This is that person. And I, as I was going through these photos, I started having all these thoughts and feelings. And I asked myself, why do I keep the photos that make me feel bad? Why do we do that to ourselves? Well, it's part of our history. It's part of our legacy. It's part of, it's a reminder of the past. Why do we do that to ourselves? If it doesn't feel good, why do we keep it? And so what I decided to do is to let go of the photos that made me feel bad. And that's what I did. I made, I started making two piles. This pile, throw away. This pile, keep. And the way I did it was I looked at each photo and I went by the feeling I got from it. And I didn't go by my secondary feeling. I went by my initial feeling. The initial feeling is what you want to listen to. You look at that photo or look at whatever you're considering keeping or getting rid of and you sit in the feeling for just a half a second. I mean, not long at all. And you go, oh, it feels like this. Throw away. (laughs) Or keep. Doesn't mean you have to throw it away. If you're not looking at photos, you can put it in the pile to give to someone else or donate or sell, whatever you want to do. But... These are the things in our lives that we can start uh, narrowing down, minimizing, decluttering our lives so that we don't have to have that feeling every time we see it. Every time I saw these specific photos, I would have a bad feeling. And it was very hard to make the decision to throw them away. But I decided that's what I was going to do. Because would I really miss them? 
Do I really need access to this photo from 1982 that every time I look at it, I have a bad feeling? Yeah, but it's part of my past and I used to live in that house. So what? (laughs) Rip it up. That's what I did. I'm not saying you should do that. I'm just saying when you start eliminating what things that bad feelings are anchored to, you start to feel better. So this is along the lines of not necessarily trying to be happy or trying to feel better. It's along the lines of actually removing things or um, getting them out of your way or getting them out of sight. The things that make you feel bad so that you do what I call clearing the path to happiness. Because happiness is in there. It's intrinsic. It wants to come out. It wants to experience life. You want to feel happy. And one way you can do that is, and this is just one minor way of many things, is you start clearing out the obstacles that prevent you from feeling that happiness that is absolutely in there. But it's a matter of getting rid of some things sometimes. Sometimes that's people. See, I just wrote an email to someone. I, I was replying to them and I said, you know, Some good people can show up in our lives and they turn out to be bad people, or at least they're doing bad behavior that's hurting us in some way. And no matter what we try, we can't get them to stop hurting us. You know, I I look at that as maybe the start of a toxic relationship or a full-blown toxic relationship. But no matter what you do, you can't stop them from treating you badly. So what do you do? And some people might think they're stuck. I can't do anything. Uh, And some people have kids with these people. And they have a lot of commitments and attachments. And they open a business together. And there's all these seemingly unbreakable tethers that we create. Locking us into someone that might be toxic. Getting us involved in something that at first seemed like a great idea. But now it seems like a terrible idea. But now what do we do? Sometimes sacrifice comes into play here. I'm not saying you have to sacrifice, but I like to look at the obstacles that are preventing me from being happy and ask myself, is it worth the sacrifice for that happiness? Is it worth me losing my income? Is it worth me losing my house? Is it worth me losing my relationships? To clear these obstacles, to uncover and reveal the happiness inside. I think that's a healthy way to think. And it's a good meditation too. Like, what are the obstacles that are preventing me from being happy, from feeling good, from just feeling peaceful? Sometimes we just want to feel peace. Forget happy and elated and bliss. Sometimes we just want to feel nothing, but in a good way, like a peace. Not in a depressed nothing kind of way, but where there's no stress. I know that's not possible. There's always stress about something somewhere along the lines, but it doesn't have to be 24-7. It's like that person I wrote to. I said, when you're unhappy more often than you're happy, something needs to change. Something needs to shift. Someone needs to do something about that. It was in a relationship uh, context that I was writing to her. When you're in that position, something needs to change. Someone needs to heal. Someone needs to take the first step that might include sacrifice. 
that's a huge word and it's a very loaded word, but a sacrifice could be, I'm going to sacrifice a relationship so that I can find happiness. The sacrifice is I'm going to be alone. The sacrifice is I'm not going to have it easy because now I don't have uh, this extra income in my life or this extra support system in my life because the majority of the time I'm unhappy. So I like to look at all of the obstacles in my life and ask myself, are they toxic? Do they make me unhappy? Are they a problem in my life? And if you can't get rid of the major stuff, start with the minor stuff. Start with the little things on your desk. Start with the pictures on your mantle. Are they good? Do they make you feel good? Start with the small things. Do you finally want to get rid of those green curtains because they drive you crazy? When you feel unhappy more of the time than you're happy, start with the small stuff. Start changing little things. Even that little dust pile in the corner that you see that you know you should vacuum up, but you haven't yet. Maybe just cleaning that up and it's not in your eyesight anymore changes your whole state of mind and your whole feeling. Just little stuff like that. So I wanted to start off the show helping you get into a calmer space wherever you are. And maybe you're already calm. That's kind of an assumption on my part. But also to help you connect to ground. And no matter where you are, what state of mind you're in, there's always an opportunity to do this. If you have a moment to listen to this show, for example, that's an opportunity to connect with yourself. And there's all kinds of ways to do it. I'm not saying this is the only show you can do that with or this is the only resource that you have. But like that email I read, she plays this show every day and it helps her connect with herself. And I am grateful to be a part of her life and her changes and her reflections, her morning meditations, whatever she's doing to ground with herself and feel balance and peace in her life. I am honored to be a part of that. So I want to thank you for that. And I also want to say that You are absolutely 100% responsible for the goodness that is coming your way. That doesn't mean that nobody else can bring it. That doesn't mean that nobody else has a part in it. It just means, and I'm going to use this email as an example. She's thanking me, but I see it as her doing all the work. You are doing all the work. I can tell you, hey, do the work, (laughs) but you still have to do it. You still have to take the step. I can tell you, hey, this is how you honor your boundaries. Tell the other person that you don't really want to see that movie. You want to see this movie instead. And that's a small way to honor your boundaries. But actually doing that, that can be a huge step for some people. Because they are used to saying yes to anything. And when you actually take that step, that's when the true shift happens. That is the big change. This is what solidifies and makes your foundation healthy. And that foundation is what you land on when you fall. Like I was talking about at the beginning, when you fall, the way you get up is having a solid foundation. And you can look at it in a visual way, like your foundation could be spongy and it's very hard to get up and it's very hard to balance if you can ever balance at all. And as you step down on your left foot, you sink and now you have to compensate and try to move your weight to your right and you sink over there and you'll probably fall again. That kind of foundation, 
needs work. It needs help. It needs self-improvement. It needs healing, probably. Those are the obstacles that I look at. When you are able to solidify and make that foundation healthier, make you healthier, invest in you, take time for you, like this person who wrote, she takes time for herself. She journals. It's her personal work. When you do that personal work, you solidify your foundation. You make it more solid. So like her, she lost a couple friendships after many, many years, and it probably hit her hard. But not only did she choose to get back up after that fall, she chose to continue working on the foundation so that when she falls in the future, it's not going to be so hard to get back up the next time. It doesn't mean things get easier and easier over time. It just means the recovery is a lot faster because life can be challenging. Life can be tough. And when it's tough, you need to be able to get up and get back on track and do what you need to do. And also not have to carry the trauma of what just happened with you for the rest of your life. Because some people do that. You may know people that do that. Maybe it's you. Maybe something happened in your life and you just can't get it out of your system. Whether it happened in childhood or as an adult. Something happened and every time you think about it, you still feel angry or you still feel upset in some way. And you're holding on to it. How does that hold you back? I'm not saying it's easy to get rid of this stuff or that you're wrong for doing it. There are still some things that I'm sure I could dig up in my past and go, wait, I need to work on that. Well, how do I work on that? You know, that's what this show is all about. We work on ourselves. We improve ourselves. We strengthen our self-worth and our self-esteem. And we realize that we are important. You are important. You are significant. You are lovable. And like I always say at the end, which I mean 100%, you are amazing. And I want you to inject what I just said into your DNA and carry it with you so that you pass it on to others. You know, if you're having kids, you know, if it's in your DNA. But if it's not in your DNA, you pass it on through osmosis. You pass it on through a simple hug or a simple gesture to someone else. And it takes work. I know it does. I am almost 50 and I'm still working on this stuff. I still have emotional triggers. Thankfully, it gets easier. You know, we're looking at what gets easier over time. The challenges don't get easier, but working on yourself can and does because as you address the big stuff, the trickle down healing that happens helps you through it, helps you through the future stuff, helps you through all of the challenges that come your way. And challenges really are only a reflection of your level of healing and growth. And what I mean by that is when you've done a lot of healing, a lot of growth, challenges for someone else aren't necessarily challenges for you. You know, I look at my relationship that I'm in now and I am so happy that I found someone that I'm so compatible with. Because all my other relationships, even though I had a high compatibility, but I don't necessarily say, oh, I found the perfect person. I had to work on myself to be able to connect with anyone, regardless of who I'm with now. I had to work on myself. In fact, I would say that everyone I've met was the perfect person, but I wasn't. 
And that's hard to admit because that means that I always need work. And when I put myself in that space, oh God, when is this ever going to (laughs) end? But when you admit it and you realize I'm always working on myself, I always need work, I always need to improve myself, then you show up better everywhere you go. How many people do that? Some people say, no, I'm done. Everything I need to work on has been worked on. I'm good. Everything is done. My life is perfect. There's not many people that say that. And some of them, they're probably narcissists. And some others, are maybe they are done. It's hard to imagine, but maybe some people are done. I don't know. I look at done as any problem that comes your way, you can handle in an instant. And you have no emotional side effects. That's how I see done. If you're done, then you don't need a show like this. You don't need any show. All you need to do is climb the mountain, enter the cave, and live the rest of your life happy and peaceful. So if you're done, that's probably where you are. And if you're not, this is probably why we're talking. This is probably why we're working on ourselves. This is probably why we're okay to admit that there's always something more in there. And working toward improving yourself is always going in the right direction. So I'm not here to say that you're broken or there's a problem. I'm here to say there's always something to improve. There's always something that you can do for self-care, for self-love, for self-compassion. And I'll tell you what, most of it is just realizing that you are amazing and lovable and significant. Just that realization alone gets you farther than a lot of other people. And I'm not talking about narcissistic behaviors. I'm not talking about being an egomaniac. I'm talking about realizing your greatness and being okay with it and walking proudly with it. And when you do that, it helps solidify your foundation. So I want to thank the person who wrote and shared that with me. Thank you so much. It made me feel really good reading that email. Not because you filled my heart and maybe gave me a little boost in my self-esteem, But it really made me feel good knowing that you are doing the work. You are actually getting into a better space in yourself because I always look at if the world becomes happier around me, I become happier. If the world becomes healthier around me, I become healthier. It's that Jim Rohn quote where he says, you are the average of the five people that you hang out with most. All based on that theory that what we surround ourselves with You know, all those components in our life become how we feel in ourselves and even how we feel about ourselves. Because as soon as we start getting rid of these toxic components of our lives, or even just the slightly toxic components of our lives, we start to feel a little spring in our step. We start to feel a little better in ourselves. And the filter that we use to think about ourselves changes, it improves. So this isn't just about self-affirming greatness. It's about actually changing our perception of who we are. And that's one of the most important things you can do in your life. Change your perception and realize who you are at the deepest level. And that sounds a little esoteric. That sounds a little too spiritual for this show. But if you really start removing those toxic elements and those obstacles start to lift from your psyche, you will feel it. You will change. So let me answer this last question she asked at the, at the end of the email. She goes, uh, how do I go about donating? There is a donate button at theoverwhelmedbrain.com. I usually ask at the end of the show, but since you ask, 
I'll put it here. But yes, you can go to theoverwhelmedbrain.com. It'll be on the right side if you're on a computer. And you can scroll down to the bottom and you'll see it. Uh, but you certainly don't have to do that. You certainly don't have to donate. It's there if you want to and you can afford it. Totally up to you. Everyone that does, I definitely appreciate and I'm grateful for. But I don't want to make this show about that. I don't want to beg for funds and things like that. Especially nowadays, you know, as I'm recording this, we have the virus and the pandemic and all that stuff going around. Today's recording is April 5th, 2020. So if you're listening to this 10 years from now, just look up COVID-19 on whatever holographic interweb that you're dealing with, whatever technologies out there and how you access your information. And you'll see, oh, that's when the coronavirus was there. Got it. I see. Now I know what he's talking about. That's another reason I wanted to start off this show mellow. I wanted to connect with you and help to ground with you and balance with you. And I hope you had some benefit from this. I appreciate you. Thank you for that email and thank you for listening today. We'll be right back. I'll say some thank yous and goodbyes and my final words right after this. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I want to thank reviewer Trigger, Tigger, Tiger, Tiger 14 in Apple Podcasts said, I'm so glad I found this podcast today. I've been having a really hard time dealing with crisis, especially with the latest pandemic. Anxiety due to crisis has kept me from being the confident person I know I can be and has made me an emotional drain at times to family and friends. I just need to find my confidence again and learn to cope differently. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Thank you, too. Thank you for stating that. And you are absolutely uh, not alone. There are people out there experiencing what you're experiencing. We are all going through some sort of pandemic thing. Now, some of us aren't affected and some of us are. And some of us are really affected negatively. So thank you for sharing that. And I'm glad that you found the show. And I appreciate your review. And I want to thank the supporters of this show over at patron.theoverwhelmedbrain.com. I appreciate you. Thank you for joining the patron program and showing your support to keep this going, to keep this on the air. And everyone that's in the patron program is a vital part of the foundation and backbone of this show. You can show your support over at patron.theoverwhelmedbrain.com. And over there, you'll get free private episodes, workbooks, and discounts on my coaching and my products. Uh, everything over there at patron.theoverwhelmedbrain.com. If you find value in the show, that's where you can go to say thank you. And of course, leaving a review or sending me a thank you note is also just as appreciated. Thank you so much. And I want to remind you to head over to loveandabuse.com if you want to listen to a podcast about uh, dealing with a difficult relationship in your life, whether they are your romantic partner or your family or a friend. That will help you get through the challenges that come with difficult relationships. And I know that's subjective. So check it out over at loveandabuse.com. And then, like I said at the beginning of the show, quietbegins.com. That's where you can get the safe empowerment system. And uh, if you put in the code BRAIN50, BRAIN50, you will get 50% off that anti-anxiety system over at quietbegins.com. There's more information over there if you want to check that out too. And finally, I'd like to thank Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in The Overwhelmed Brain.
And for my final words, I'm going to talk about uh, the things that people do or say that affect you in some way. Uh, and they do or say something for reasons that you may never, ever know. And I'm going to say this. If you want to live a much more fulfilling life, you need to stop seeking closure for those things that you don't understand. For example, the people that do or say things that really bother you and they don't explain why they did it or said it or they hurt you in some way or they just left you befuddled and you are left behind wondering what is going on? Why did they do that? I need closure. You may never get a reason. And even when you do, even when they give you a reason, it it still may not be closure for you. It's really challenging to go through life holding on to things that you don't understand. And the brain wants closure. I get it. I teach that. I know it. And I go through it myself. But I want to share with you what I've done to achieve some sort of, I don't even know if it's closure, but it's certainly moving on. When things have happened in my life, I've had to move on. And I'm sure you've had to move on with things too. And I've had to move on without closure, just like you probably have had to move on without closure as well. But the difference may be with some of you and myself is that when I think about why somebody did or said something they did or said, I don't drive myself crazy. I don't pull my hair out. I don't ponder on it. I don't even consider it anymore. I just go on with my life. And there are things that people have done that I don't understand. Then I would love to know why they did it. But I can't spend all my time obsessing over that. So, you know, I've come out with a few episodes on obsessions and I definitely recommend if you are constantly trying to seek closure, go to theoverwhelmedbrain.com and type the word obsession. You will get a few episodes on that and uh, I think they'll be very helpful. But you don't want to hold on to closure because closure feels like unfinished business in your brain and in your heart. And when you carry around unfinished business all the time, you feel incomplete. And I don't want you to feel incomplete. I want you to get past that. And uh, I had an email recently that said, you know, I lost my best friend. They left and left our friendship and I didn't think they'd ever leave. They promised me we'd always be best friends and then uh, they're gone. What do I do? They didn't give me any reason, any rhyme or reason for leaving. They just stopped being my friend. And I think that's a good place to start. Okay, we have somebody that left us in our life. How do we get closure? Because we'll never understand it. Again, listen to the episodes on obsessive thoughts because that's going to be helpful. And uh, let me give you some of my ways, some of my methods for achieving closure. First method is... I put myself in their shoes and I ask myself, okay, what reasons do I have for doing or saying what I did or said? You may not know this and it may not come to you, but this is one of the things I do. If I was one of my ex-girlfriends and they left me and I was confused, I didn't understand, needed closure, after a period of grieving, I would put myself in their shoes and ask myself, why would I leave Paul? Why would I hurt Paul? Why would I say that to Paul? I may not use my own name, but why would I say that to him? Because I'm pretending to be them. So you step outside yourself, outside your thinking. 
you can do this. <laughs> you step outside yourself, outside your thinking, put yourself in their shoes and just pretend to be them for a moment. And you may come up with some good stuff. I have. When I, when I did that, I learned why my uh, relationships failed. All of them. All my romantic relationships failed when I put myself in their shoes after the breakup. If I had done it before the breakup, my relationships may not have failed. But doing it after the breakup helped me understand a lot more about myself. Because I would ask myself questions like, well, being in their shoes, I'm looking over at me and I'm not liking my behavior. I'm not liking Paul's behavior over there. And so I'm going to start closing off my heart. And that helped me learn about my judgments. That helped me learn about my uh, bad behaviors and the way I talked, the way I showed up. And it can be an enlightening exercise for you to discover things about yourself. You may not like what you discover, or maybe you won't think it's a problem. Like, what? I was the nicest person. If you're thinking about this in a breakup context. So that's number one. I put myself in their shoes and I ask myself, what reasons do I have for doing or saying what I did or said? Number two is remembering that I don't know every single side of things. And I'll never know every single side of things. So when it comes to people, we use people as, as an example here, I'm not going to know ever all the thoughts they've had. I won't know all their sides, all their dreams, all their passions, all their goals, all their dislikes, all their hates. I won't know all of those things. They may have shared some things, or maybe I thought they shared everything, but maybe they didn't. So I have to come to an acceptance that I'll never know every part of someone else. I'll never know it. So there's no way around that. That's just kind of one of those things where you have no choice. You have no choice but to accept that you'll never know them fully. You'll never know me fully. You'll never hear my 60,000 thoughts every day. You won't. And they vary. <laughs> but if you did hear one of them that I never said before, you might think, huh, I never knew that about you. But I may say that 20 years from now. But it doesn't matter because you'll never know. Just like I'll never know uh, the person I'm with now, my girlfriend. I'll never know her every single thought, her every single side. Unless she chooses to be completely open and vulnerable with me in every single shape and form. And still, I won't know. No one knows every side of you. And sometimes you just have to make an exit or do a behavior or say something without having to tell anyone why you did it or said it. I mean, this is how life works. You have a right to do something and say something and not explain why you did it or said it. You have a right to. I may not be fair. It may not be uh, helpful to the other person to understand what's going on. I believe that you should express yourself and tell people why and tell people what's going on. But you don't have to. It would be nice if everyone did that, but not everyone does that. So we have to understand that we have that right too. And yes, it would be great to have honest relationships, but it just doesn't happen all the time. We end up with people that may not be as open as we are. Or we're not as open as they are. It just happens. This is the variety of the human species. We are going to say things and do things, and sometimes we're not going to say things and do things. And do we have to explain everything that we say and do? The answer is no, but I wish it was different. Well, I shouldn't say it that way. <laughs> I don't mean I want you to have to explain everything you do and say. But when somebody has a question like, why did you do that? Why did you say that? And you don't get that answer. 
that can be hard. That's where the unfinished business lies in your brain and your heart. And what do you do with that feeling? Well, that's what we're talking about now. Um, but the point is, you're really not obligated to explain anything to anyone. You know, in most cases, I'm not talking about huge extremes here, but you're really not obligated. And that sucks. It's terrible because sometimes you really want to know, but sometimes people will never say anything. And what are we going to do? You can't force it out of them. So you just have to accept that you'll never find out. They'll never tell you. Okay, well, I have that right too. And you just have to live with it. So that's my number two. That sounds a little defeating. I don't always fall to that number two, but when these other ones don't work, I might do that one. Number three is a little controversial, but hear me out. Uh, Number three is I take the blame and I see it as a personal growth experience. What do I mean by that? I mean, when somebody does something that hurts me or confuses me and I don't know what to do about it, I might go back to number one where I put myself in their shoes and I ask myself, what reasons do I have for doing or saying what I did? And then I might come up with something and then I'll point the finger at myself and say, it's your fault, meaning it's my fault. It's my fault they did that. It's my fault that their heart started to close. It's my fault that my best friend broke into my car. It's my fault that the woman I wanted to be with for the rest of my life suddenly started losing her passion for life and and became depressed. It's all my fault. Why do I do that? That sounds like the opposite of what we should do. Well, the reason I do it is because I want to know if there's something I can do better next time so that this doesn't happen. So yes, I take the blame. I take responsibility, even though I may have done nothing. Maybe that person was practicing number two. I don't have to say anything to Paul. (laughs) It's my life. I could do anything I want. Well, what did I do that brought that on? So again, that's controversial. And if you can't handle that one, don't do it. (laughs) But I like to do it in my life. I like to take responsibility and even take the blame and ask myself, okay, if this was my fault, what can I do differently? What can I do better next time? I can't fix that. And you know, that may or may not ever fix, but what can I do differently? Because if I choose to take responsibility, then I have some semblance of control in my life and then I can improve it in some way. If I choose not to take responsibility and say it's all them, then I'm left waiting for someone else to help me reach closure. That's the worst. If you are waiting for someone else to tell you something or do something so that you can reach closure, you're not really taking responsibility for anything. You're just waiting for them. Again, regardless if they did 100% of the mess, when you take responsibility for your role in the situation, you get to improve yourself, achieve closure, move on, and take the experience so it hopefully never happens again. That's number three. Number four is you chalk it up to what you will never, ever know. This sounds even more defeating, but again, hear me out. Think about what you don't know now. Think about something mysterious. You know, when I think of this, I think of, well, how did the universe begin? And then somebody will come along and say, it's the Big Bang. And then somebody else will come along and say, it's our creator, it's God. And then someone else will come along and say, it's both. (laughs) God created the Big Bang. And then somebody else will come along, like me, and say, yes, but what was before that? (laughs) What was before that? When did it begin? Was there ever a beginning? If I even ask that question, I'll start to pull my hair out. 
what no beginning because I'm used to beginnings and endings I think we are a lot of us are used to something beginning and something ending so my brain looks for how things began and how things ended and why they did so when someone comes along and says it was the Big Bang I would ask well what was before the Big Bang what caused all of that what created all of that where did that come from well it was God well when was God not there and then other people will say well God always existed and then of course I can't wrap my brain around that so I have this lack of closure this unfinished business and what do I do with it and believe me this used to drive me crazy not knowing the answers to these things and I eventually decided that it was more important to accept that there are things I will never ever understand and it's just gonna have to be the way it is I'll never know maybe I'll find out when I die who knows but right now there are things I'll never understand so stop wasting time thinking about it that's what I told myself stop wasting time and you know in the context of people there are things that people do that you will never understand I mean unless you're a serial killer you may not understand why a serial killer enjoys killing people you may not understand it and they do it without remorse let's just talk about the serial killer that kills people does it without remorse and actually enjoys it that to me is obviously sick it's awful and there are parts of that that are confusing but uh, there are parts I also understand but some people can't accept that I mean look at the Holocaust some people cannot accept that that ever happened they cannot accept that millions and millions of people were killed they cannot accept it there are Holocaust deniers because they themselves would never act in that way and so unless we see a mirror of ourselves in them we may not accept it and this is something that you really have to consider if you are looking at others trying to see a reflection of you in them you will drive yourself crazy you will keep that loop open you will look for closure where there is none because there are people that are the complete opposite of you there are people that thrive on what you may consider evil evil things there are people that think completely differently act completely differently and do things that you would find reprehensible and uh, quite evil you might even be compelled to kill someone like that I'm not saying you should I'm not saying do that I'm saying that the thought may come up like oh if that person was in front of me I would kill them that could be how you can reflect but at the same time you're thinking yeah but that person's evil so evil should be eradicated you know you can have all these thoughts but the other person's not killing evil they're killing innocence so this is how we keep these open loops in our head we can't reach the closure so I'm hoping these methods that I use will help you I've got two more so let me just finish up the show with this uh, number five is closure has to come from within you and I kind of already said this but it's vital to never depend on someone else to give it to you it would be nice but sometimes it's not gonna happen the the narcissist that moves on to their next relationship and creates their next victim will seem like they never loved you at all it'll seem like they're not grieving over the relationship being over you know if you were ever in a relationship with a narcissist you know what I mean they move on to the next victim their next 
narcissistic supply. When they do that, it's not because you're bad or unworthy or unlovable. It's because they have an agenda. They need a supply. They need someone to feed their ego, their narcissism. When they get that fed, then they are happy. Well, I don't even know if happy is the word. They are fulfilled in some way. And that's even pushing it. Fulfillment really doesn't come to them. They're always seeking more supply. You are their drug. The victim of the narcissistic person is their drug. And I've heard from many, many people that got out of relationships with someone that said, oh, he or she moved on and now I see him on social media the very next day or the very next week and they're in another relationship and they look happy. Why couldn't I have had that? Well, there's your lack of closure. You're looking for something outside yourself that you need to find inside you. And hopefully these steps will help, but closure has to come from within you. The narcissist will move on to their next victim and it'll seem like they never loved you at all, but that is how they operate. You'll never understand how, the, how a narcissist operates if you aren't narcissistic. If you don't lack empathy. When you lack empathy, you can move on. There's no grieving. There's no worry. You just move on. And again, it's not about you being unlovable, being unworthy. It's about them not really caring. Even that can hurt. I get it. I, I totally get it. That can hurt because you thought you had something. So if you've ever been with someone like that, that just moved on and got into the next relationship and they seemed happy as a clam, then you're probably not seeing the big picture, which is they are who they are and you just never saw it when you were together. If you didn't see it, then you didn't understand it. So now you find out who they are, that they are the type of person that can love you and leave you without issue. That's them. It's not you. It's who they are. But you may not be able to see or understand who they are because you can't see a reflection of yourself in them. Because you're thinking, I would never do that. I'm feeling pain. I'm hurt. I remember all the years that I had with this person. And that's what happens. We remember all the good stuff and we think that's all there was. But there was a lot more to it. So remember that when you try to find closure outside yourself, and a lot of these are helping you get in yourself to find that closure, but when you try to find it outside yourself, you may wait forever. The narcissist will never explain why they left. Or even if you're not dealing with a narcissist, you know, this could pertain to anyone. No matter who you're dealing with, they may never explain it, ever. So you have to come to that acceptance that it may never happen. Just like you may never know how the universe began or what was before God or if there is a God or whatever. You just have to come to that space inside of you and accept that you'll never know. That's a tough one, I know, but it can help. And that's what I do. And I have number six, and this is the last one I've mentioned already. Remember that you may never find closure in something that you haven't done yourself. This is where we try to see our own reflection in someone else. And uh, this is kind of the opposite of namaste. <laughs> namaste means the divine in me sees the divine in you or recognizes the divine in you. There's a couple different variations of that. Uh, but, you know, spiritual people say something like that. They say namaste. And it's a nice way to greet. But what if you can't see the divine in someone else? What if you are this person that you love and you care about and you're compassionate about and you can't see that in someone else? Wow, they're a compassionless person. Wow, they have none of these good qualities that I love about myself. Or not even that. Maybe they just do behavior that you would never do yourself. 
And that's why I'm talking about number six here is that you may never find closure in something that you haven't done yourself. And going back to the person who kills people, if you've never killed someone and you've never had the inclination to do it or been angry enough to do it or even think about it, you may never understand why somebody else does it. And it might drive you crazy if you continue trying to think about it. Or how about why your ex sends you a text uh, once every six months out of the blue? Unless you've learned about breadcrumbing or you've done this yourself, you may go crazy pulling your hair out trying to figure out why they do it. Why are they sending me a text? Why are they telling me happy birthday? I thought we broke up. Why is this happening? Like I said, unless you know about breadcrumbing or you've done it yourself, it may be impossible for you to understand. So you pull your hair out. And this is why I like to try things on. When I say try things on, I mean pretend I'm that person or pretend I'm doing what they're doing and why would I do it? Try it on. You know, try on the behavior. Well, I don't want to be a serial killer. Well, maybe in your mind that might be something that you try on. Not not necessarily killing people, but what would compel you to do it? And if you're seeking psychiatric help right now, don't do this. You know, this is just a suggestion, an opinion, and I want you to be very careful with this, but I myself do this to learn why people do what they do. And it helps me. It helps me understand people a lot more. And it can help you too. So maybe not serial killing, but let's think about something that somebody else did. Uh, Let's just say that the client I used to work with, whose husband always lied, lied about a lot of things, not everything, but a lot of things, some stupid things, benign things that would never end the relationship. But for some reason, he continued to lie. And when confronted, he said, oh, I don't know why I lie. It's just strange. It can be mind boggling why people do some of the things they do. Okay, so let me try this on. Why would I lie? Hmm, let me think about it. Well, I don't want my wife to yell at me. That might be one reason. Well, she's not going to yell at me. If I tell her I know she's going to be okay with it, well, why else would I lie then? Well, I might lie because I did it when I was a kid. And lying was a, a way to get what I wanted. Maybe that's why I do it, because I always seem to get what I want when I lie. Oh, okay, so it could be that. And it helps me understand more. I might still have questions. Yeah, but why lie to me? We're together for all this time, but I'm not living that person's life. I don't have their trauma, their past, their dysfunctions that they brought in from their past relationships or childhood. I don't have any of that. So when I pretend to be them, back to number one, then I can try it on, figure out why I would do the, the behavior that I would do. And it would give me perhaps some sort of alternate perspective and I can take that alternate alternate perspective and help me achieve closure with it I may not like it I may not like what I discover but at least I can achieve some closure there's so much more to talk about closing the open loops in our brain and our heart but uh, this is something I wanted to give you before I ended the show today I hope it helps Uh, so no matter what regardless of whether you reach closure or not I always say this, always go into everything with an open mind. This helps you step into your power. And in that powerful place, you can be firm in your decisions and actions so that you can create the life you want. Having an open loop, having this lack of closure, that prevents you from creating the life you want because you're holding on to something from the past that you may never understand. My suggestion is to always take steps forward to grow and evolve. You are powerful beyond measure. 
and above all, and this is something I absolutely know to be true about you, you are amazing. <music>